Just keep on breathing from the City of Angels in Los Angeles and from the Big Apple in New York City. Welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg, at thecaregiverspace.org. And we're coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26, count them, 26 global audio and video platforms like iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, and a whole bunch more. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one, numero uno caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM, and number two on Feedspot out of the top 60, and number two on Podcast uh, Village, Caring Village, I should say. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? Yes, we do. Christina Smith, um, author wrote a book about yoga for the brain and it's an award-winning book and she's founder of the subtle energy center and caregiver to her parents through the deaths at home her work helps out caregivers do self to, to do self-care in the short chunks of time between duties in early alzheimer's and dementia patients maintain brain function. Well, I sure messed that up, didn't I? But we'll get it out of the horse's mouth. <laughs> Not that she's a horse. <laughs> but before we get started, I want to take uh, this moment to thank last week's guest, Paulina Melana, a nice Italian girl caring for yourself when madness is home, storyteller who built a career writing media and marketing. And that show and all our shows are available uh 24-7 at caregiverdave.com and all those other uh, sites that I mentioned. And uh, all right, enough of that. Christina, welcome to the show. And uh, we're well, so excited to have you on finally. Well, thank you, Dave. It's really great to be here. And thank you, Adrian. I'm delighted to be your guest. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, and I always like to ask my guest just who is Christina Smith and why was she placed on this earth? Ooh, well, <laughs> I'm placed on this earth for so many wonderful reasons, but on, uh, it's really to get to know myself and to find out what my purpose in life is. Just pretty much like everyone else is placed on this earth for that reason. And life is just about that self-discovery and the ways we do it along the way, in my opinion. What do you guys think? Yeah, well, that's, that's a pretty good answer, I would say. And uh, I think you should stick with that one. <laughs> so um, you're the author of an award-winning book about yoga for the brain. Great title. Uh, what's your background that makes you an expert to write a book like that? Well, I, not only one book. I have six books in the uh, Yoga for oh, the my. Brain series, and they are actually puzzle books that I do with my brother, Puzzle Master Rick. And so, well, we're experts because we've been doing puzzles our whole life together, and I've been a career-long author as well. So I've, I've written a lot of different books, but the yoga for the brain, as far as 
as working with that particular concept is, you know, like you, you do yoga for your body and you stretch and it okay. stretches you out and makes you more flexible. Well, doing yoga for your brain by doing puzzles does exactly the same thing. Really? And what about a guy like me who hates puzzles? I hate jigsaw puzzles and word puzzles because they just are so hard. It's, it's such a struggle. Uh, is there hope for me? Oh, I think there's definitely hope for you. They may be hard, uh, but, you know, when I started, Sudoku was impossible for me. It was something that was like, oh, no, not me. I'm not going to do that. But I kind of got over myself and said, okay, you know, I've learned how to do a, a million impossible things. Like I've learned how to do caregiving for my folks as they were declining and moving toward their demise. Now, that that's impossible. So if I can do that, then I can teach myself how to play a game of Sudoku. So with that in mind, I kind of learned it, uh, just used it as like, first I surrender to it, just like you surrender in a caregiving situation eventually. You've got to surrender to it. You lose control of your schedule and you lose a lot of the things in your life that used to happen. Doing the puzzles the same way. Well, do they come in different um, categories of difficulty uh, so that you can start out like as a beginner oh, and work absolutely. your way up? Absolutely. Okay. So it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a personal decision to decide you can to enjoy it or to try something a little different. And it, it's actually a, a wonderful way for a caregiver to take a moment to pause, to actually turn off for a little while without having to take a huge break. You know, doing a puzzle for 10 or 15 minutes can be very refreshing because you have to think about that and not anything else. What was that word you used? Uh, you were describing a puzzle. It, it sounded strange. A Sudoku number Sudoku. Puzzle. What, what is that? I don't know what that is. Well, Sudoku is actually one of the most popular puzzles in the world. It's based on numbers and what it is, it's you have mo the standard Sudoku puzzle is, well, let me show you. Allow me to show you. <laughs> have you ever I heard of that, Adrian? I just have one I can show I'm you right here. Horrible with numbers. So, uh, Adrian, you're not loud enough. Can you uh, get closer? I'm or with words and terrible with numbers. Me too. That's yeah. me too. That's me too. <laughs> so that's I, good. I resist Sudoku. <laughs> Well, I did too, and that's what my whole journey began as, because I thought, numbers, yuck. What do I want to do numbers for? But you know what? The good news is the, the number, it doesn't, Sudoku has nothing to do with math. The numbers might as well be letters, because you're looking for different patterns, and you just put one of each in each box. They just happen to be numbers. They could as easily be num letters. So you're actually looking for patterns which shifts your brain from whatever you were thinking about, whether it's either word-oriented or logic-oriented, into another perspective and really gives it a, a pause to reflect. So, you know, the dementia test that I take every uh, six months, because I want to be, uh, you know, aware if anything is happening to me. I don't want to be the last one to know. One of the questions they ask you is they give you this paper and it, it's got, you know, you got to connect the lines and it says, okay, we've done the first two, like, 1A, 2B, what's the next one? Is that kind of like a Sudoku puzzle? Well, yeah, yeah. you have Looking different squares. And, 
It's patterns, but you fill in different numbers based on the information you don't know. So you get clues to start with, and then you just look for, you know, you can have one through nine only going a bunch of different directions. So you just look like where it fits. What's the next one in the sequence mm. exactly like you're talking about? And these puzzles really help us to stay sharp and perhaps ward off that terrible dementia and Alzheimer's? It does, and it's really good for to, to do easy puzzles, but either the word search or the Sudoku for or the early stages or pre-Alzheimer thoughts, just to keep your brain sharp and to keep it moving in different directions and nimble and flexible. What do you think, Adrian? I'm willing if you are. Well, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I do well, that's the whole reason I wrote this book, because I was I'm just like you. I am just like you. I was not into it at all. Well, I mean, well, are all the puzzles Sudoku puzzles? or, or No, nope, just this one. Everybody else is word search. Ah. So if you send so have, Adrian and so I a book. Have, yeah, the word searches have a, a little reading. Some people call them devotional, mm. something inspirational. Uh -huh. And then... The words are from this reading, and then you find these words in the grid. And then the cool thing is, is once you've found all the words, a secret message is decoded from the letters left over that you didn't find in the puzzle. So that you translate, it's like a cryptogram. You put it down here, and you get a secret <laughs> message. Well, I'll make it's you super deal. fun. If you mail Adrian and I both a book, then we'll have you back on the show, and we will review the book for you. <laughs> Okay, well, that's I'm game. All right, I'll give you the addresses after the show. <laughs> Stay on. Sorry. And if it, yeah, if anybody wants a free sample, they're on my yogafortheBrain.com website. I give away samples so you can try them for yourself. Great. Really, yogafortheBrain.com. Yeah. And you'll get a, a free sample. That's good. Very generous of you. Um. So. Um, how did how did your Yoga for the Brain series of puzzles come about? I mean, before you wrote your first book, what what was the birth of it? What were you thinking? That was actually, it honestly was was exactly what we were talking about. My, now, my brother is a retired technologist. He's all about hard Sudoku, and he loves games. Hard and so <laughs> I was I was on a, a on a plane to visit him, and I honestly, I had read everything on my Kindle, and on I, I was flying frequently at that point in time. I'd read the in-flight magazine. So in true desperation, I turned to the Sudoku, knowing that I wasn't going to be good at it, and I wasn't. And so I tried it some more at my brother's house, and I was, still wasn't good at it. So I made a vow in the TSA check line, in the security line, saying, I've done so many impossible things, like supporting my parents in, in <laughs> caregiving. So surely I can teach myself Sudoku. So as I began to do that, I began to learn about Sudoku and about getting over myself. And that's what the doubt. And I, when I called my brother and said, "I've been starting a bunch, of, a number of books for years, and I could never finish one," but I, he had gotten this phone call from me before. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm writing my book about. <laughs> and I said, are you sitting down? And he said, okay. He said, Sudoku, and I want you to make the puzzles. And there was dead silence because he was so shocked. So that started. So I do my Yoga for the Brain series with my brother, Puzzle Master Rick Smith, and he makes all the puzzles, and I, and I write all the text, and we're both happy. So uh, you're saying if that you can do it, anybody can do it because it was hard for you. 
it was hard for me. And I had exactly said this exactly the same thing as Adrian did. I'm not a numbers person. I'm a people and words person. But I had well, you know, you my know, mother had that. dementia and Alzheimer's, and so I'm I'm cautious. I I I found this ad on Facebook that says free uh, early detection dementia study, and I've been doing it for like three years, and and so far I'm I'm close to the borderline, but I I haven't crossed it yet, so there's hope for me, and uh, I hope that's the way it uh, it stays. So like I said, I don't want to be the last one, and I'm all for doing it. I've tried jigsaw puzzles. I mean. Uh, yeah, the ones in the you know, but they're always they're so hard. I think the difficulty is like at, at number ten. They don't put simple ones in there. Yeah, well, you have to just find what works for you. Everyone's brain works a little differently. So in the in knowing yourself, then find the thing that works for you at whatever level you start at. It's all good. Yeah. And every time I try it, it's like I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and my brain starts to hurt. I says, "Oh, you're thinking too much. Stop it." <laughs> all right. Getting on to the next question, um, uh, you talk about recharging. Uh, how do you recharge in the short amount of time between duties, and what do you mean? Uh, define recharge for you, and what you're meaning in this uh, in this way. Well, I find that that in is between duties or between you know in caregiving, you sometimes you have like ten, five, ten, fifteen minute chunks. And that's not really enough time to get engaged in anything else. It's, but it is in time to take a quick puzzle break, or because you can do one of these puzzles in about that amount of time, and it's it kind of stops you from focusing on what you're doing, and gives your brain a complete, complete bit of relaxation, so you can recharge a little bit. So, can you notice a difference? I mean, what what are some of the realistic uh, differences in your brain and your thinking and your memory that you are able to do now that you were it was very difficult for you to do before you started this? Well, when, with the Sudoku, is I noticed uh, after doing an, a you know getting over it and getting at least reasonably okay at it, my spatial abilities improved. Uh, that's and my visual awareness, like you know, things fitting into a space, I could see patterns more easily. Thing, things emerge, so I really did notice uh, subtle yet profound brain shifts. Um, and I could scan things more easily and see where places go and everything like that. And um, that you know, those were the most profound things. Does it help you memorize lists of 10 or 20 things, you know, that someone's just rattling things off? Because people say if you can visualize, you know, those things that, that you can, and I've seen people do it, it's amazing, or remembering names, does it help with stuff like that? It does. I'm, I was already pretty good at that. So I think for some people it's helped them give it, gets a better night's sleep. For sure, it helps them. I've had people tell me they do a puzzle before going to bed and they were shocked that they could sleep better. Because if you do it right before bed, everything that you're worried about, you have to stop thinking about it to focus on the puzzle. So cures insomnia, or at least makes it better, right? Well, For some people, yeah. What are you going to say, Adrian? In my case, um, I do I do word puzzles before I go to sleep almost every night, and I I know that there are times that I can't fall asleep because I'm still doing the word puzzles in my head, but I fall asleep to that and I'm not thinking about all the tumult going on around me. 
So right, your to, your wow. to do list is not going over and over and over and over exactly. and over and over and over again in your head. You've you've given your brain something to think about, and it kind of loosens the grip on that yep. hamster wheel. Yep. Wow, this sounds like something that I should try. <laughs> uh, so what can I do to help my early Alzheimer's and dementia loved ones? Well, you can Is print it, you out Try this books. with them? Try it with them. Of course you can. And see what see what they like. You can if you can have, show them a word search and see if they can pick out the words. Most most word search puzzles have large enough print so that it's you can see them. And you don't even have to pick out the words that are on the list. Sometimes you can see words that aren't even on the list. But it's fun to play with that because the, the wonderful thing about puzzles, it's a no-risk way to work with your own brain. There's nothing at stake other than are you going to solve this silly puzzle or not. So, it, you know, that's what's one thing that I find kind of stress-relieving. It's a way to play with your brain where there's no risk. And there's you no say early. You say early Alzheimer's and dementia. You know, I have an aunt yeah. who's kind of wacky, and um, we think that something's happening, but you know, we can't mention anything to her because she's very self-conscious and uh, defensive. And so, this may be a uh, non-threatening way of seeing where she's at, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe I should get one for her. Give it a shot. Well, that's very interesting. You've exceeded my uh, curiosity <laughs> level. <laughs> so, um, how I'm, I'm thinking, you know, uh, like my mother, um, she was really bad at things, and if if they can't do it, isn't that going to frustrate them more? I mean, how early Alzheimer's and dementia are we talking? I mean, it's so individual, so I couldn't say one way or the other. However, if you sit with a, sit with someone and just get the easiest one possible and just mm -hmm. make it so, why don't you just say, so what do you see here? And let them start show you where they are. And then you can build from there. That way you're not spell. setting up an expectation of success or failure. You just find, you can see where they are. How do you spell the word Sudoku? S-U-D-O-K-U. You know, so some people want to like maybe Google that and get a feel of what's going on. Yeah. And then, of course, they can go to your website. Um, what is it, yoga? Yogaforthebrain.com. Yogaforthebrain.com. Yep. Very good. All right, well, listen, we're going to take a short break, and we will be right back. So please don't go away. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live Weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. You can access essential resources and download practical 
Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You can get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. And we're back with our guest, Christina Smith, on the Caregiver Dave Show. I'm Caregiver Dave, and we have Adrian Gruberg as my guest host. And we're talking about yoga for the brain and how good it is for even normal people like us who maybe don't have Alzheimer's or dementia but uh, want to stay away from it. And it's good for early Alzheimer's and dementia patients as well. Um, what can it do for uh, early Alzheimer's and dementia patients? Can it help? slow down the dementia? You know, they say it's incurable, but uh, is there any control over how fast it progresses with puzzles like this? Well, you know, I am not a medical professional, so let me just give that caveat right off the bat. However, studies I have seen in the National Institutes for Health have done experiments with uh, puzzles and games and say there is some um, measurable result from doing them. And of course, it depends on each person's state. So mm. the answer is it depends. Mm -hmm. so, so why do you think, because uh, the whole idea is that this is supposed to be fun and, and playful. And so why do you think it's, it's fun uh, to play with stuff like this for both the caregiver and those we care for, because caregiving is not a very fun job, as you know. Yeah. Um, and this almost could be a diversion um, of fun and games when you're actually doing some beneficial therapy as well. You agree? I think you're totally right, Dave. That was a great way to say it. <laughs> I love it when I'm totally right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, other than the Sudoku, what other kinds of puzzles are in here? Uh, some of the things that, you know, they ask me when I go for my test, well, count backwards from 100 in increments of 7, and then, you know, they'll uh, have a long list of words that I'm supposed to remember. They'll do a story narrative, and I'm supposed to remember all the details. Uh, does it get into things like that, or why don't you explain the different kinds of puzzles that are in your book? I have two kinds of puzzles. I have a, a one Sudoku book in the Yoga for the Brain series, which pretty much talks about me getting over myself and learn, deciding Sudoku wasn't really as horrible as I thought it was. And the other five books are all word search books. So that's... That's, those are my puzzles. Let's, let's open your book and let's give us an example of a game. Let's actually see if we can play, uh, you know, to, to get um, the people who are watching a, a feeling as to what this is really like and maybe we can make it less threatening. So here, I know this, you've got is, a book right this is, there. this is the first puzzle in my uh, most recent book, Life Wisdom Word Search Yoga for the Brain. And let me read to you this. All right. So here... This is called Start With Self-Love. Life can sometimes throw us a curveball. The unexpected happens. Things don't always feel good. People let us down or things we wished for don't come to fruition. We can be positive, optimistic, hardworking, kind, and loving. And still, life happens and sometimes it hurts. To navigate through these times, be gentle with yourself. Life can be a lot to handle sometimes. There are those surprise twists and turns and detours and roundabouts. 
Regardless of the curves, the one person you may always count on to have your back is you. You are deserving of your compassion. You are worthy of your self-care and self-love. When times get tough, the thing to remember is that you're human and you're doing the best you can. When those tough moments arise, as they will, take a deep breath. Remember that you will get through this. You can do so with tender, loving care. The way you show up for yourself during these challenges makes those rough times just a little bit easier. Your self-support carries you more swiftly and lovingly through to the other side. Be the loving foundation you can always fall back onto. So I love I love that there's stories in there that it's actually a book interwoven with it's not just a book of puzzles, you know. Yeah. Which, uh, so so there are there are a bunch of different words taken from that story here. Uh-huh. And so oh. you, you would look for them in the puzzle grid. And so you would when you find them you can circle them or highlight them. I see. And and then when you're done with finding all of these words, I usually take a highlighter and highlight the letters that remain. And you start from left to right. And so the first letter you find that's left over is the first uh, and the first letter in this secret message that you're decoding. So you go through the puzzle and find <laughs> all those leftover letters, and it writes out the secret message. Oh, my mom. You really spent some time on this, or your brother did. Can, can I see the cover again? Because that's, that's very revealing, too. Um, so here, all these letters, it just looks like mumbo-jumbo. And you've highlighted life and wisdom and word that search. Life, wisdom, word search, yep. And were we, so if you're looking for the word life in that mess there, you're teaching your brain to identify uh, patterns. And I can see how that would help your brain figure things out when and when it gets confused. I've actually looked at um, some people make, make word searches out of numbers, and I notice how much more difficult it is because I can anticipate if I see an L and an I, or I could look for an F because F is more unusual. So, you know, I, could, I can identify words that I recognize, but if it's numbers where I have no association with it, it's a little more difficult. Like if, I, if these were all numbers and I was looking for 1997, it wouldn't be necessarily as easy to spot it out. So it's helpful to have words that are kind of identifiable so your brain can help recognize the pattern. Yeah. You know what also is really hard for me is um, those games where they scramble the word, mix up all the letters. I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it, and I, for the love of God, I cannot unscramble a word. Uh, are any of those games in there? No, they aren't, but, you know, they're... Those kinds of games and any other kinds of games, they, they help train your brain. If you play with them long enough and don't have any expectations on you be go, being good on it, at it, you just play with it and kind of work your brain into seeing it different ways. Like if you took all those letters and started to pencil, write them down and start to mess with them and figure them out and just be patient with yourself, you will eventually, after doing it enough times and being as patient with yourself as you can, well, you'll figure it out. Like start with three-letter words or four-letter words and then move along. I have a new appreciation for code breakers. I was watching a documentary of World oh, War II, Japanese, how they, they've got, you know, these, these people in this big room and they're working on how to break the Japanese code, you know, World War II or Hitler's codes. And, 
And some of those codes are very uh, intrinsic, um, or I should say, um, that's not the word I'm looking for, but, uh, you know, it takes a great mind to look at something and can easily decipher it or easily decode it. Some people are better than others at it, right? It depends on how well, your yeah, brain I mean, is wired. We all have our skill sets, of course. I mean, some of us are better at other things than uh, than other people, and just like we all, that's why it's. I think learning to do puzzles, it's a great way to learn how to be patient with yourself at things you may or may not be good at. Mm. Once again, it's a no risk proposition. There's nothing nothing at stake here, other than you know, do I figure it out or not, or do I come back to it? Which is it's really comforting to yeah. have a low stress situation like that. Um, kind of like your golf game. <laughs> what are you saying, Adrian? Outer. It's a no judgment kind of thing. Right. Unless as long we as judge you ourselves. Yeah. There's no one there to judge you. Um, right. I I will go from, I do a lot of word scrambles. That That's what I do before I go to sleep. And, and I continue to do the words in my head or pick a word where I... I can say, oh, there are like so many different words you could make from the word rate, let's say. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, so, but but no one's judging me. I'm, I'm right. just playing with myself, you know. Right. And oftentimes we are our own worst <laughs> critics. So, you yeah. know, that it's, it's a great way to play with yourself, exactly, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, you know, there's you get the number scores, and I see number scores that other people have, and it's like there's no way that anybody has that score without cheating. You know, it's impossible. Yeah. Unless they're breaking the Japanese codes. <laughs> yeah, unless unless they're code breakers, maybe. Wow. Exactly. You're right. So again, you're saying this is scientifically proven that puzzles do help your brain. It is They've true. Tests. They've done tests. So Adrian, when you're thinking at night uh, and trying to go to sleep <laughs> about the puzzle, uh, is it usually the puzzle that you solved or the puzzle that you haven't yet solved? Neither necessarily. Just going over the process um, of what you letters did. Letters that start to. It's like alphabet soup. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there are just letters that come into my head. You have to remember that as a graphic designer, typography was very important to me. Type mm. and characters. Uh, I'm very visual with them, incorporating them into so many of my designs so that I'm just attuned to, to letter forms. Whether they're lowercase or uppercase or serif or sans serif, you know, all of that comes into it. So when mm. it is like alphabet soup. Yeah, and all those images are steeped in your brain after seeing them over and over and over and yes. over again for years. I totally get it. Yeah. So does this have any relation, Adrian, on your uh, migraines? Does it help your migraines? Do you get a headache uh, doing it? Obviously, you probably wouldn't do it if it was causing migraines. <laughs> No, actually, I, no, it doesn't. Does it help? It, interestingly enough, I don't know because I haven't had one for over two and a half years now because I'm on, I'm on, 
I, I mean, considering I was getting them almost every day since I'm four and a half, um, oh. I'm, they found a miracle drug for me, so I'm lucky. But um, what it, the interesting thing is my shoulder hurts from... <laughs> From what? <laughs> My shoulder hurts because I'm working on on uh, uh, on an iPad, and I'm I've got to pick the letters out, and I'm using muscles in my arm <laughs> that I don't ordinarily use. You know, Boy, that's what gets yeah. stronger and stronger. <laughs> upper muscle on my right shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so tell us about your personal on-hands experience with being a caregiver. Oh, well, um, for probably five years, um, as both my mother and father passed, of course, I have children, so there's caregiving on that end yes. from young children. Um, then as my mother and father started to decline, I, was, I stayed at home with them and facilitated their both of their home deaths, which courses, anyone who has parents or a loved one who is in decline, you know all about the ins and outs of that. So that was the first, my mother passed first and then my father. So in between, um, you know what I found was the most important for both of them was for them to have something to look forward to. Mm. That's really what would help them stay as vibrant as they possibly could even through their decline. It helped their mental energy a lot. And now I do wow. caregiving for my grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's very good that your children watched you and observed you caring for your parents, you know, and being a caregiver because you're modeling, right? So that when you become the age, regardless of where they live or how old they are, um, hopefully they will just instinctively say, well, I've got to take care of mom. You know, what do you think about that? Exactly. But that's I personally, not the reason you do it. No, of course not. <laughs> I, I personally, uh, you know, won't, I don't want my children to have to care for me because I know it's hard. I know sometimes there can be resentment and, and you know, just burnout and stuff like that. So, you know, I got a long-term care policy and that will help insulate, you know, what they need to do because money always helps, doesn't it? You can get help. You're right. So, what are you talked about? Five tips to helping a person who's dying be more peaceful. Five tips five on tips. helping a person who's dying. Oh well, I think uh, it's not in any of my books. It's just it just comes from personal knowledge, and one of them for sure is to know that that they can hear everything you say. So, uh, so to be oh my sure gosh, to did I say there, that out loud? <laughs> be, be very aware of that because so many people say horrible things because they think that the the patient is can't hear what they're saying. But so even if they're not, they don't seem to be present, they still can hear you. That hearing is the last sense to go. You're absolutely um, right. You know, I have a gas station, and I I'll never forget this. It happened must maybe 20 years ago. This this guy comes in. And uh, his, his elderly father uh, followed him in, and he didn't realize it. When he saw him, he said, what are you doing in here? I told you to stay in the car. You, know, you never listened to me. He was just berating this guy. Obviously, he had some kind of 
memory problems or dementia or whatever. And he's just humiliating his father in the store around all these customers. And his little boy is sitting there listening to him. And I'm saying to myself, just wait. One day, (laughs) that little boy is going to humiliate you in public as well. That's in the cradle. That's in the cradle. Yeah. Let's see. Number two. I would say number two would be give them permission to go. You you personally have to say you give them permission that they can die. So a lot of people need to know that and to know that you're going to be okay. And how do you do that? How How do you do that? You overtly say it. You have to say it out loud somehow, in um, a very kind and loving way. I give way. you permission I to die. I mean, is yeah, it, I'll be, I'm going to be okay. I'll love you, and I'm going to miss you, but I'm going to be okay. Just want to let you know, you got my permission. Because they want to die of, anyway. They're in pain. They're suffering. Yeah, a lot of folks hold on because of that. Oh, yeah. I know. With my father, I, I had to tell him he didn't have to worry about something. And that he could let go. It was, you yeah. know, don't don't hold on for anything. I'm here. I'll take I'll take care of the thing that you're worried about. You know, right. And you have to save my mother. And I said, don't mm-hmm. worry. I'm here. Yeah. I'll take care of it. And you have to say it out loud. You can't yes. just you can't just think about it and, and assume they know it. You have to say it out loud. Um, um, I guess number three is to get everybody who need they need to see to come and say goodbye. Yeah, my mother and was waiting until uh, a nephew came, yep. and right after he came, then she left. Yep. So yeah, yeah. you're right. That was my mom's best friend from elementary school that she had to see ah, before she could go. That's beautiful. Yeah. So let's see, that's three. Number four is music. Music can really help. Whatever their favorite music is, is to have that playing, if not constantly, then at Mm. least often. True. And, you know, I think number five is to take care of yourself so that you can, so that you don't, aren't stressed out when you're around them, like you don't just want to get away from them because you, you need some space. Take what you need so that you can bring your full loving presence into the person who is in, I call it on on the off ramp. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, self care. I want to tell you a story about about music. Steve was dying, and it was at a point where, what else can I do to make him comfortable? What can I do to to take some of this stress off? Because it was terrible, and. I put, there was a song that I had told him about again and again and again, and I told him the lyrics, and I, and I had never played it for him. And while he was dying, I put my iPhone and the song on his pillow right next to his ear. And as soon as the song was over, he passed. My hand oh my. was on his chest, and that was it. It was the most amazing thing. It, it, wow. it was very powerful. What a beautiful story. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, we're going to take another break, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Anytime we suffer loss, 
we grieve. And a lot of people don't realize what even the grief process is. But it could be five to seven steps ranging from denial, I don't believe this is happening, anger, oh my gosh, I'm so upset this is happening, to a form of bargaining, how can I get out of this, to depression, which is a very serious thing because that often leads to suicide. And then finally, finally, after you realize you have no more control over your situation and you're totally okay with the new normal that it brings, that wonderful, wonderful place called acceptance. Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too, Thrive to Stay Alive as a Caregiver. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. He now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his amazing caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Thrive and stay alive as a caregiver will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver on sale everywhere and at caregiverdave.com. And we're back on the Caregiver Dave Show with our guest, Christina Smith, and my guest host, Adrian Gruberg. And we're talking about yoga for the brain. Why are puzzles considered yoga for the brain? You mentioned this before, but what what exactly does yoga do? Well, let, let me just give you one hint for yoga, because I use this. There's an app for your phone called uh -huh. Five Minute Yoga. And I do that every morning. It's only five minutes. And it, so you don't end up doing anything for very long, but you stretch out. So yoga helps you stretch and become more flexible. And Hatha yoga, which is the yoga of the body, um, does it with your body. And puzzles actually could be, there are all different kinds of yoga. So puzzles are kind of more of a mental yoga. So just like with yoga for your body, it stretches you out and makes you more flexible, then puzzles do that same thing for your brain. How long do you hold a stretch in a typical yoga pattern? Well, on the five-minute yoga app, you hold it for about 45 seconds. Uh, but, uh, That's but a other long people... time. <laughs> And, and but you know people who are it, it, just like with puzzles we talked about it depends on where you're starting and where you're going it depends on where you are so you start where you are and with no judgment of yourself and see what works for you judgment 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 so for example if I try to stretch and it hurts uh, if I keep doing this every day by the end of the month my stretching that particular thing, let's say I'm touching my toes, which I can do pretty good, by the way, uh, you'll be able to bend even lower and it won't hurt. You're saying, is that kind of a good scenario? Exactly. 
Like if you were if you were to bend over to touch your toes and do that for like 10, 15 seconds, if not if not longer, just start one day and do it every day, and you'll notice a difference after a while. And it just depends on you. So we're stretching the brain. That's right. <laughs> Lord knows my brain needs stretching. So do you do yoga too, Adrian? With my vertigo, it's very difficult to keep the balance. So I do exercises for balance that incorporate some yoga, but it's not like I can stand on one leg and, you know, that stuff. Yet, yet. Um, mm -hmm. My balance is getting there. So, <laughs> But it's work. Have you always had uh, vertigo? Well, I think, of the, I think of the vertigo as a silent migraine. <laughs> I think of when I hear vertigo, I think of Cary Grant in the movie, James, James Stewart. Oh, Jimmy Stewart, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They're practically the same guy. <laughs> um, so you, obviously there are some benefits to doing puzzles for the brain. Uh, you talk about unusual benefits. So what are maybe some of the unusual benefits that you haven't spoken about of doing well, puzzles? Well, we've already talked about one of them. It's getting a better night's sleep. Mm, yeah, that's unusual. Um, a, a, another unusual one is if you keep a puzzle book in your car or use it as a, you, you can actually get moments of mindfulness and stress reduction while you're sitting waiting to go to an appointment. Mm. You know, because once again, the, the puzzle takes you out of whatever it is that you're thinking about and puts you in a space where you're focusing just on that, which actually leaves space for you to have other ideas and to actually allow your brain to relax. Mm. Mm -hmm. I need space. So you don't recommend doing this at uh, red lights, for example? Oh, no. <laughs> not <laughs> a very, very long park, red light. <laughs> in a parked car. <laughs> Okay. No texting and no yoga while you drive. <laughs> That's right. Huh. All right. So um, I've asked you a lot of questions. Why don't you um, talk about what you want to talk about that maybe you were hoping that I would cover and we didn't cover yet. So you've got about uh, five minutes, no, three minutes. So uh, the floor is yours. I think that what I would just like to say to caregivers is to remember that you're the most important person to take care of first, because if you don't take care of yourself, then you're not going to be able to take care of your loved one. Because if, if you're not well cared for, and then you just don't bring your best self to the whole game. So I know that's really difficult sometimes when you're in a pretty tough situation, especially if you're the primary or only caregiver. However, those five or ten minutes where you do a puzzle or go outside or take a drink of water or do a little bit of breathing or a little bit of stretching can make a huge difference. Sometimes even just going outside and taking off your shoes and socks and standing in the grass or dirt, taking a few deep breaths can make a world of difference in just ten minutes. I think that that's my main message is take care, caregiver, care for thyself first. Yeah. So did you do that naturally when you were first a caregiver or did you succumb to burnout? And if so, tell us about that burnout situation, how it happened, uh, how you fixed it and how you made sure it never happened again. 
basically I learned by doing. So if initially I got burned out. You know, sometimes I would just go sit in my car and sob <laughs> because I was so burned out. I'm sure that has happened. I'm, I'm probably not the only one that has happened to. Oh, no. And as I did that, I'm going, okay, so how can we make this so I don't have to go through that again? And that, so as I went along, I would hit new places where, oh, my gosh, I just have to have some kind of break from this. And I said, so how can I do this? I, I, I recognize how I felt before it happened. So I begin, as, soon, as it was happening, I noticed how I felt. And then each time it built up again, if I could catch it earlier, then I could actually not burn out as much. And I could do an intervention for myself. I bet other folks, yeah. So tell us about support groups. Did you have a support group? Do they help uh, venting with other I people, other I live had, people? I had friends who would help me. So my support group was friends. Some of them would come over and hang out and talk mm -hmm. for a little while, or they would take me out to lunch. <laughs> when like the, uh, a home health aide came, I would go out of the house rather than stay in the house. Um, <laughs> I would have I would have scheduled things you know when someone else came in if that was at all possible mm -hmm. and you know I would make sure that I took my time rather than rather than thinking of all the things that I could also be doing to support the care providing I would just resist the temptation to give away all of my time and really take care of myself well, that's good advice um did did you ever have to go to the doctor or the hospital because your burnout or your frustration was so great? No, no. Sobbing in the car pretty much did that. Yeah, you're one of the lucky ones. You know, thirty percent of caregivers actually die before their loved ones do, and many more will become sicker or hospitalized and eventually need a caregiver of their own. So you know, it's it's very very important that you take care of yourself. I have this uh, care formula, C-A-R-E. One, communicate with your friends. Don't isolate yourself. Don't rag on your friends who you used to go to lunch with or to the gym with. You know, save that for the caregiver support group. You know, your friends don't want to hear what a rotten day you had and how you had to take crap off of the ceiling because your loved one threw the the diaper up there or something like that. They they will stop calling. They will stop coming around. Nobody likes to be around a Debbie Downer. And then the A stands for ask for help. Caregivers hate to ask for help. I can do it myself. No, you can't do it yourself. Uh, the R stands for rest. Caregivers need eight hours rest every single night. The average caregiver only gets two or three. I can't survive on two or three. I don't know how anyone else could. And understand that when there comes a point that it's time to put your loved one in a facility and you can't take care of them at home anymore, now, let's say they have bed sores. You need to get up every two hours and turn them and stuff like that. Now they need 24-7 care because you can't do it. Um, and before I get to uh, E, did you ever uh, consider that your loved ones needed to be in a facility and that you couldn't do uh, and provide the care that they needed? Um, 
I considered it. Certainly, I looked into assisted living for them. At, however, at that point in time, they went into hospice care, pretty much. And I would tell you, Dave, and I think anyone who's watching your program is a, who's a caregiver really has a, just a golden opportunity and such a treasure in Dave and Adrian and the resources they provide. And please do be sure to take advantage of all of them. And then we get to the E in my care formula, C-A-R-E. Eat, eat healthy food, don't eat junk food. Junk food's got sugar, chemical, processed ingredients. All that stuff will kill you. <laughs> and so, um, you know, your loved one doesn't want their caregiver to die or to get sick. And any time that a, that a, care, that a loved one is feeling like uh, complaining a lot and, and making you crazy, then maybe you need to communicate to them, hey, you know, um, you're my mother, you love me, uh, what you're doing is killing me. <laughs> I, I know it sounds kind of cruel, and you're, you're, but hey, it's tough love time, right? And if, if the source of uh, a caregiver's problem is the loved one, because they're not a very nice person, or they're, maybe they used to be nice, but now they're, their personality changed, and they're bitter, and they're angry, and they're rude, and they're demanding, you know, maybe it's time to uh, use a little negotiation or or pull a bluff on them. Like, you know what? I'm just going to put you in a nursing home because I can't take this. You have to be nice to me. Here's my rules, right? Your your boundaries. A lot of caregivers don't know how to say no. They don't know how to put up boundaries. What do you? There what's your opinion of that? Am I being too cruel? I don't think so, because a lot of times it's it, the, your loved one is not fully there, and it's a lot of it's the pain talking and the fear. And there is a really great book called Boundaries, and it's been a bestseller for a lot of years that I highly recommend to people. Um, it's it's an important thing to have with caregivers. So I yeah. completely agree with you, Dave. And I did a talk at um, at, at TEDx um, called Sel "Caregivers Need to Be Selfish in Order to Survive." I call it the S word. Because everybody is saying, no, I can't be selfish. Who wants to be selfish? But you know what? If we're talking about life and death here, which we are, uh, you have to put your needs first. You have to put your oxygen mask first. And if that means being a little selfish in your mind, you know, uh, you have to just get over it. You know, yeah, self, I call self, that self. enlightened selfishness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything to add to that, Adrian? No. <laughs> <laughs> I said it all. <laughs> well, we're so grateful that you came on the show. Uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you or, or read your book, what's the best way to allow them to do that? Well, you can go to yogafortheBrain.com, or you can find Yoga for the Brain books on Amazon.com and at uh, independent bookstores mm. everywhere. Great. All right. And I thank you, all the listeners who tune in every week. And again, I want to remind you that all our live shows become recorded, podcasts and videocasts on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, and iTunes and YouTube and all the other 26 platforms that we're on. And uh, by the way, when you go to caregiverdave.com, we've got three free gifts just for visiting our website. And you'll want to look into that. It's, it's a free membership site. We used to charge for it, but now we decided to just make it free, F-R-E-E. -E. So if money has been keeping you from going there, you don't, you don't have to do that anymore. Just go and uh, put your email in there so that we can know who you are and take care of your needs. And until we see you again, bye-bye. Sometimes it feels 
Like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing.、Oh.